Hello and welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast, hosted by When Wisdom Calls. We hope and pray this episode gives you insight and uplifts your spirit. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Shangum, shangum. Hmm. Yes, it's been quite the season of Adonai calling for repentance. And a lot of people would be sitting here going, but why? We've repented already. And and those in the Orthodox, uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church, those in the Catholic Church would recognize that repentance is a, is a natural part and a daily part of seeking or outworking rather our salvation with fear and trembling. And then you have those in the Protestant church I will be saying things of the sort like but we've repented already we've received salvation what's the point in repenting more etc but biblically there are two salvations Adonai speaks of one we receive at the cross which is one we have to toil with one we have to outwork with reverence and intentionality every day then there is a salvation that is bestowed on all at the for all who believe in him, still, yes, but at the white throne. And that is eternal. There is no toil, there is no struggle with the latter salvation. But this salvation is part of our outworking the covenant with God, wrestling with God, going from Yaakov to Israel on a daily basis. And a lot of people would disagree with that, but biblically that is what is declared, and various prophecies attest to it. So whether we agree with it doctrinally or not, if the testimony of El Shaddai decrees it, our doctrine is wrong. First and foremost, that's it. Doctrine cannot decree to the testimony of our God and say, well, I disagree with you because I'm academic, because people study me to know you. No, 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 no. Yeshua tells us to study his testimony so that we will not be deceived. Not to study and create doctrines to stop us from being deceived. Oftentimes the doctrines is an evidence that we have been led astray. But what he tells us to do is study the texts. Okay, now the interesting thing about the idiom in Hebrew for texts isn't referring to Torah. Shangom. Not referring to Torah specifically. Rather, speaking of Nevoah, or Niv Shevatayim, prophecy. Which is why we have an and literal age-old adage that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of El Shaddai. And then the angels in heaven speak to John to affirm the oneness of Adonai and how the Father and the Son are one, decree that the spirit of prophecy is also the testimony of Moshiach. Messiah. And so he tells us to study the prophecies, to study his testimony so that we can become cunning, so that we can be discerned in the times and the seasons and learn to apply what God is revealing to us. We can only learn that by studying his testimony. And in that we learn how to steward Torah, to steward his instruction and how to be doers of his word and honorers or keepers of the covenant 
but he has called us to be daily repentance. In Hebrew, we call that tshuva shmedma, a complete repentance. Because as I said earlier, there are two salvations that prophecies reveal to us. A salvation given to us at the cross and a salvation given to us at the white throne. There are two kingdom events, the cross or the death of Messiah, the resurrection of Messiah that brings forth the salvation that we have to outwork every day with fear and trembling, and then salvation, eternal salvation at the white throne. There are two events. We get so caught up in one, which for good reason, but we have to recognize that Yeshua himself speaks of both events as being equally necessary to know and keep in the forefront of our mind to the point that if we look at the early church and our counterparts thereof they will be speaking and preaching of both the cross and the white throne and if you were speaking anything any form of message without the kingdom of god being made manifest by the fact of the cross the death and resurrection of messiah as well as the return of messiah and his thousand year rule as well as the white throne at the end of that then you weren't actually speaking the gospel whatsoever and so how many of us are speaking the complete gospel as we've been told to do so it's more than just the cross and that's not to denounce the cross it's to say that there is a hope and a future beyond that that we've received in the first visitation there are two visitations and so he's called us to be people who daily repent because we've received the salvation from the cross. Outwork your salvations with fear and trembling, with intentionality, which is the trembling, and reverence, which is the fear. Because only when you do this will you learn to be stewards of the will of the Father. And as Yeshua himself says, only those that do the will of my Father are mine. Only those that do the will of the Father belong to me. Everybody else will come to me and say, but Lord, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do that in your name? Didn't I prophesy? Didn't I heal? Didn't I cast out demons? And he will say to them what? Depart from me, you wicked servant. I do not know who you are. And so... If we do not seek him every day in repentance, because remember in Hebrew, tshuva, repentance means more than just saying, oh God, I'm sorry. It's sitting at his feet. It's studying at his feet. It's asking him, teach me more of your ways. So if we repent, okay, so we've done something wrong. We must acknowledge we've done something wrong. We go to the altar. We place it on the altar. And then we go beyond the altar. We sit at the foot of his throne and we say, Adonai, teach me. Father, teach me your ways. Teach me to overcome. And what do we see the apostles say all the time? We pray for you that you would learn to overcome daily, that you would have the full measure of the understanding of who God is and full shalom given to you by Adonai our Father and by means of Moshiach and our belief on Moshiach. So we're coming into a time where there's going to be many people who are shocked when the spirit will rest on them and convict them do not confuse conviction and condemnation they will feel very similar but you need to understand the voice the voice of condemnation is there to tear you to shreds 
and decree unto you that you do not, as if it can decree, make something into law, but it will attempt to decree to you that there is no hope for you. But then you'll have conviction, which is a fruit of the Spirit, mind you. And how do, we, how do you get that? Well, when he releases the Spirit, and he says, and the one that comes after me, the Spirit of Adonai, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, because you have departed me, uh, from me. Righteousness, because you have received of me. And judgment, because the Father will judge all in all at the end. But it says convict. Now, interestingly, the word for convict also is a connotation of faith. Immuna. So trust, faith is also conviction. So do not be shocked when the conviction comes upon you and you will be measured. And what will you be measured? How will you be measured? What will we be seeking? Whether you're doing the will of the Father or not. And if you're found to be doing the will of the Father, he will then release you to do further things of the will of the Father. But you will know what the fear of the Lord is. You will know that very well. But those that do not do the will of the Father, he will give an option right then and right there to repent before him or to be cut off. And people will say, oh, but Yeshua doesn't come to judge. Yes, he does. Oh, but he doesn't say that in the gospel. Actually, he does. Yes, he says, I have not come to judge the world. Okay, he has said that to the people who believe. Then he goes and speaks to the Pharisees and he says, I have come to judge you. And then he speaks to the, to the Sadducees. I have come to judge you. And then he speaks to those that are humble before the Father. I have not come to judge you. Now, what is the word judgment? It means to be measured. In Hebrew, the word din. In din, or dangat yod nun, or din, means to be measured for a reward. And what does he say about the Pharisees? Don't be like them, for they have their reward in full. And these were people who were doing their own will, not the will of the Father. And look how quickly, look how quickly he removed them and the Sadducees. Those were the branches that God was teaching Paul about. The natural branches that were cut off. So that the wild olive can be grafted in. But then what is he's revealed to Paul? But you wild olives do not forsake your faith lest he cut you off and regraft in the natural olive tree olive branch rather and what does paul himself say so you ought to be terrified before the father and we should you know all the prophecies that refer to the renewed covenant that we're in today all of them actually say, I'm not doing it for your sake. I'm doing it because I made a promise to your forefathers. I'm doing it for the sake of my name. I have you in mind, but I'm doing it for them. And you know what's amazing about that? It even says, and when you remember your sin, you should be ashamed. Not in the, in the way of it's now your identity. In the, in the way of let what you've done produce a fear and a reverence for me. So that when you think about the evils that were committed by you, you are 
consistently running back to me. But when we think about it, the prophecies say you should be ashamed of it. Why? Because what has it produced in you, your family and others? And then Paul saying the same thing. Be terrified. Be ashamed of these things. So that you are revering the Father and you do not lose your way and you do not lose your faith. How do you do this? By repenting before the Father every day. By receiving the understanding of what the Spirit is decreeing to you. Do the will of the Father. Everyone that comes and says, I have the Spirit, that means I'm true, is a liar. No, even Yeshua himself says, don't believe those people. Because they are the ones that are usurping the will of the Spirit by putting their own will upon the Spirit. The only ones that are decreed true from heaven are those that say, look at me, I'm doing the will of the Father. Trust in the will of the Father. Don't trust in me. If you're going to look at me, look at the deeds that are being done. It's not any deeds done by means of my will. It's not be any magic that's being done. It's by my humility before Av HaKodesh, the Holy Father. They are the ones you know that are true. Yeshua himself affirms this. Only those that do the will of my Father are those that belong to the kingdom. And in Judaism, in the time around Yeshua's period and beforehand, in the school of the prophets, there's surviving fragmentations of various teachings of schools of the schools of the prophets, and they all say this phenomenal thing that we hear Yeshua himself say. All about seeking the kingdom of God. And they all say this if you want to know what the greatest worship of our Holy Father is, seek first his kingdom. Then you will know his will. And then you will fulfill the covenant. Because there's nothing you're doing. Rather you're casting yourself off. So that you can receive from the Father. But to receive from the Father you have to seek first his kingdom. Which means seek first his name. Seek first his face. Seek first his will. At the expense of yourself. Not my will Lord. Yours be done. May you be more important. May I be less important. These ones will see the kingdom of God. They will have an understanding of the scripture. They will understand the will of the Father. And they will be upholding the, the call of the kingdom and the culture of the kingdom. Any other thing is not the culture of the kingdom. Any other walk is not the culture of the kingdom. Only those that do the will of the Father understand the culture of the kingdom. Because the culture of the kingdom is the Father's will. So he actually calls us to be repenters every day. He calls it Balim Chuva, the masters of repentance. And biblically speaking, okay, and we've got this also in the frag not the fragments, but in the writings or the records of, of Gadesia. Okay, and we've got some other of the lost books that have been verified by Jewish scholars and Gentile scholars saying that these are the real deal. And in that it refers to the books of the kingdoms. So the book of life, the book of departure, and the book of common sins. And then you've got in various fragmentations of schools of the prophets like the Academy of Elijah, uh, of Elijah, etc. That speak about that only those that are written in the book of life are those that become masters of repentance. 
And so when we become, even only church writings speak about that, so when we become masters of repentance, then and only then are our names written in the book of life. And that is why Yeshua says, because people say and teach, well, as soon as you receive Yeshua, you are, you're written. No. Because if that was the case, then how can he say, not all of you that call me Lord, Lord, will be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Written in his book. So he specifically says, only those that do the Father's will are mine. They are written in my book. They're saved. Every other person, I don't know. Because they haven't made a choice for me. They've made a choice of any other thing as an idol of me. We must repent of these things. People do ministry without seeking Yeshua at all. And there's many prominent ministers that are seeking Yeshua, but they're actually seeking the face of the idols, what they believe Yeshua to be based upon their doctrines. If you're seeking Yeshua, your doctrines don't matter. He will, when I say spit in the face of your doctrines, you will be uprooting these beliefs because he will be standing there going, that's not me, that's not me, that's a lie. Which is why he consistently uses... The teachings and parables of gardens. And if his tree is not sprouting in the garden of your heart, then you don't know him. I spoke about a, I released an experience I had this, this afternoon in the afternoon prayers. Where he took me into the, uh, the throne room. And he said, tell my people that I'm not wasting time. And then one of the prince angels, the archangels, his name's Raguel. Raguel came to me. He's the one in charge. He presides over the books. So the Book of Life, Book of Common Sins, Book of Departures. And he also presides over Sheol and Ginom. And there was two scrolls in his hands. One scroll said, seal those that humble themselves to me, that repent to me. They are my faithful ones. And then on the other scroll it said, but cut off all that are unsealed. They are my deniers. That's scary to me because he's not wasting his time. And the reason it's scary to me for obvious reasons, but to explain it is because just how many people are there that are truly repenting before God? Seeking him every day, toiling with their salvation, wrestling with God. Versus how many people that are using Adonai, the Father, through Messiah, as a sugar daddy. And if you don't answer my prayers, Lord, you are not a good God. If that's you, and you're the one that says, God, if you don't answer me, you're not good. And you become angry that God's not answering your prayers. You must repent. Because again, it is a privilege to hear him. It is a privilege to hear the Father. It is a privilege that he hears your prayers. But he's the king of the universe. Which one of your demands gives him his crown? How long beforehand 
has he been crowned? He's been crowned for eternity. So who are we to demand from him anything enough to have the chutzpah, the absolute goal, to become angry at the king of the universe and expect him to give us a miracle? What ungrateful people we are to think that our king should bow his knee to us? Repent of this wickedness. Again, sit at his feet. Let him teach you a thing or two. Lest he cut you off as a branch that is dead, not producing healthy fruit. Because he will do it. As quickly as he cut off members of Israel, he will be quick to cut you off too. Read it in Romans. Read it in Revelations. If you disagree, well, you will find yourself on the ground, detached from the tree. And those other tree members that have been cut off for your sake will be rejoined. And thank God for that. I pray for my people daily. And it's not about merit. It's not about what we deserve or we don't deserve. He has laid it out plainly in the covenant. And if we're going to be breakers of the covenant, well, then we inherit nothing. As it says in the Torah, if you break the covenant, you willingly forfeit your inheritance by my name. And there's another, there's various things we have to repent of. But if we look at the early church, I want to say the early church never once said that God restored us or redeemed us from any rules. It was actually a heresy that said that we don't have to keep the commands. That has become now a very mainstay, mainstream teaching. We call it grace, not law. What he was referring to is the grace itself, right? The Torah itself, and the Psalms also mention that the Torah, which doesn't mean law, by the way, but the Torah is the grace or the kindness of God. And when it says that he has saved us, we no longer live under the Torah of sin and death. What does he say? But we are under the Torah of spirit and truth. Spirit and life. But it's still the Torah. Because if you live by legalism, you don't need faith. And you actually force the Torah, the instruction of God, into a slavery that pollutes you. But when we are repentant, we live by Moshiach, we live by the Spirit because we're born of the Spirit, then we live under the, the freedom the Torah gives. And what does Yeshua say? If you love me, you will keep my mitzvot. Which happens to be the word ruling that you see throughout the Torah. So there, that is also a thing we must repent of. Because look at what happens when you rebuke the things of the covenant. You don't know who you are at all. You don't know really who you belong to or what you're professing to belong to. Because the covenant, okay, the covenants that are spoken about, the new and old covenant that's spoken about in Hebrews, is actually only speaking about the service of priesthood, which is why it uses the word wills, not covenants. There is a new will. And even then, that was just for an argument's sake. 
saying that the Melchizedek priesthood is the supreme priesthood and the original priesthood. The Levitical priesthood was really a donation from the Melchizedek. That's what the argument was about. That's what the debate was. That's what Saul, or Paul rather, was actually writing to the Pharisees in the temple. But the covenants are built on one another. Point in case. Just when, just because we now had friendship with God th through the Abrahamic covenant, did creation cease to exist? No. Because creation is a covenant itself. And when we received the Torah, when we received the Mosaic covenant, did our friendship with God cease? No. Did tithing cease? No. Did loyalty to God cease? Absolutely not. And when we received the promise of Messiah through the line of David, did scripture cease to exist? Absolutely not. So why do we think that now after the rest restoration of the covenants that suddenly the previous four ceased to exist when God never did that to begin with? No, the others are still there. They are the foundation of the Brit HaChadashah, the renewed covenant. And what does he say in the Proverbs? Those without disciplines, those without boundaries, they're what? They grow foolish. And that's what we are. So if you love me, Yeshua says, you will keep my mitzvot. We have to repent of this too. And it's not by living under the law, as people say. No. You know the early church, there's hundreds of prayers. I'm compiling them at the moment. The amount of prayers that say, thank you God for your Torah, so that we can learn to love you and to keep your ways. This is the early church. This is Jewish and Gentile believers of Messiah praying this daily. Thank you, Lord, for your covenants. Thank you, Lord, for your, for your Torah. Thank you for the prophets that we may read it and learn what you love and learn how to love you and stay loyal to you and worship you more. Where in these writings do we ever hear that he has now abandoned the Torah? He even says, don't think I've come to abolish it, I've come to fulfill it. But we teach it as if he's abolished it. That's hypocrisy. He has said the word lekum. I have not come to abolish but to fulfill lekum, which means to affirm it, to confirm it and re-cement it. So he's re-cemented the Torah for our sake so we can learn to keep the covenants. Really easy to keep it. Love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your resources. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then if you need any more explanation, there's eight extra categories, which makes up the ten words or the ten commandments. All up with these two plus the eight. If you need any further help in the gray areas, you can look into the, you expound to 613. And if you need to understand how it works, you can read through the Sermon of the Mount, the finishing of the teaching. So we can then learn, oh, okay, I'd have to, okay, this makes more sense of this. Okay, yes, 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 yes. Okay, makes sense. We have to repent of a lot at the moment. So much heresy that we have created denominations upon. To the point that we look different to God and we no longer look like Messiah when he looks at us. And he's saying to us, come out from her, come out from this seductress that is removing 
you from my will, making you foreigners to me. Come back, my people, wash the blemish from your garments. The garments are called the robes of salvation. Wash your salvation clean so that when he does bring judgment on this world, so that when he does pour out the wrath, we are untouched. That's what it says in Revelations. And because we are so distant from him, we're no longer mature in him anymore. We look at things, especially about our God, and we say he doesn't do this anymore. We don't, he doesn't do that, which is a Gnostic heresy. We also must repent of that. You know, there was no such thing until 500 years ago of a New and Old Testament concept till 500 years ago in mainstream church anyway because it was a Gnostic teaching a Gnostic heresy and now we've accepted it and because of this we have thousands of denominations in 500 years hundreds a year being formed And when we make disciples, we are making them, as he says to the Pharisees, twice as, more, twice as much more worthy of Gehinnom than we are. What does that mean? We are in our dissoluteness, in our separation from God. Whenever we make a disciple and we teach them to, to disobey the covenant, we're making them twice as more worthy for hell than we are. And I recognize that's a heavy word, but that's what's happening. So I go back to the original point. Are we toiling with our salvation, wrestling with Adonai, going from Yaakov to Yisrael, or Jacob to Israel every day? Are we outworking our salvation with fear and trembling, with reverence and intentionality? If the answer is no, and for the most of us it will be no, repent. Stop doing it in your strength. Submit to him. Sit at his feet and he will teach you. Keep going the way you're going and you will find yourself on the ground cut off from the tree. And this isn't about, this isn't saying that God doesn't love people. He, it actually says judgment starts first in the church, in the kingdom of God, then to the world. And who here believes God's going to judge the world very, very soon? Well, you better believe that he's judging us now. Because if we're not the standard, then how can he judge the world and say, look at my people, they're the standard. We're not. We're worse than they are. So he is reeling us in, revealing the truth, shaping us, molding us back to his standard. Then he will judge the world. Because it's a time of repentance and a time of reward that is coming very soon. And if you don't believe he's judging us now, well then expect to be cut off. Because you're not hearing the Lord. You're listening to your idol. And if you don't repent of that, he will remove you. And he will do so quickly, as it says in Romans 11 and 12. So go and read those again and repent. Repent to him.
And we have to give up the fact that, look, repentance is not a swear word. And if it is offensive to you, there's an issue you have to repent of. It is a beautiful word. It's a miracle. Repentance is a miracle. And what is a miracle? In Hebrew, it's the word ness. It also means, ness means banner and miracle. But it, the, the word itself derives a changing of nature, going from one nature to another. It is a miracle. And we have to treat it as such, not a swear word. Let's face it, the gospel is offensive. Serving God is offensive. Why? Because you have to die to yourself. Why are you important? Yes, he loves you, but for whatever reason, we think that our thoughts are higher than his foolishness. Who told you your thoughts matter? Does he not say that my thoughts are higher than your thoughts? My ways are higher than your ways? So again, with the chutzpah, we think that we can make demands of the king of the universe and he will bow his knee because it's somehow a democracy and we're the reason he keeps his crown? No. He is the sovereign. He declares a thing and he says, do it. If we say no, well, I'll find somebody else who will. He's not going to sit here and play games. He will act because he's the sovereign. We're in a monarchy, not a democracy. And if we think we're in a democracy, we do have to repent and actually learn who he is. We have to actually introduce yourself to him. Because you don't know him at all if you think it's a democracy. Lay your thoughts low. If somebody doesn't deny himself, what does Yeshua say? You're not worthy of the kingdom of, of my father. How many of us are worthy? I'm going to say very, very little. Not many of us are worthy. Not many of us are worthy at all. Which is why he's calling us to repent. It's not a difficult task to learn how to do things the way the Father wants it. It's only as difficult as your pride. If you humble yourself, it is easy. If you hold tight to your pride, it will take you years upon years to learn the basic things of the kingdom. If you throw it all, if you cast it all upon the cross, if you allow it to die with Moshiach and then you raise up with him, it will not take you long. That's exactly what Paul did and it took him three days three days to humble himself before the father it took him 14 years to unlearn the pharisaical teachings and 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 to do properly the teachings of the way however he started preaching within three days but out of his humility he chose to be an apprentice to agabus and his school of the prophets for 14 years but three days god started to use him not long at all. So humble yourselves before the Father. You will learn a thing or two. You will then learn what it is to steward the will of the Father, a.k.a. the culture of the kingdom. You will understand what it actually means to pray through the Lord's Prayer, not religiously, but because you are shaping the thoughts of your heart and, and the thoughts of your mind, to commune with Him. Again, two hearts meeting, communing. The word in Hebrew for prayer is tefillah. Tefillah means to commune with the divine. 
to meet with the divine. There is prayer involved, there is worship involved, there is also silence involved. Because when you commune, when you actually meet with the divine, even your silence becomes words to him, and his silence becomes words to you. Do you know what we call that? Intimacy. He is declaring, be still and learn how I am your God and who you are to me. Repent before me, and I will know you. Rebuke my word, reject my testimony, and you must depart from me. Hmm. Senga. Adonai of HaKodesh, may your kingdom come and your will be done. Teach us. Teach us. Where we have been as hard as stone, we repent before you. And we receive your promise that you have already spoken. That you will replace this stony heart and mind with a heart and mind of flesh. And I will bestow upon you a, a new spirit and you will be my God and, and I will be your people. Bishem Yeshua, we receive that. We believe in it. Teach us your ways. We look upon the Son of Man, Ben Adam, upon the cross, as in the same fashion of the bronze servant, that all who believe will be restored and healed. That is what we believe. We have faith on you, B'Shem Yeshua. Avinu Shebeshmaim, a Father who is in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come and your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us this day our bread of tomorrow. Pardon our debts as we pardon those indebted to us. Lead us not into our testings, but deliver us from Maharisha, the evil one. For kinship, power, and glory are yours now and forevermore. Shem Yeshua. Amen and Amen. Hmm. A final thing before I end this live when it comes to walking in this kingdom it is a full transmutation it is not an identification it's not this foolishness of I identify as this and then the next day I identify as that no it is a transformation into what is called Ishchodesh a new human the new humanity you are transmuted which in English, from the Latin, means you have gone from one nature into another nature. It's not of none of this rot of one day I feel Christian, one day I feel like I'm a, a Messiah worshiper, and then tomorrow I feel like I'm a clubber. So I'm going none of that rot. You are transformed, or you are not. There is no in between. And if you're struggling with the in-between, leave your dead self alone. Get out of the graveyard. Sit in the house of the Father and he will teach you things. Hmm. Shalom, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Olive Tree Podcast. Your support means the world to us, so we're thankful that you joined us today. 
We are grateful to be able to provide this resource and many others to you for free. That being said, if you feel called to support our ministry, you can do so by heading over to whenwisdomcalls.com and click on the Give tab. Want to know more about what we do and how you can get involved? Well, you can check out our website for more details, whenwisdomcalls.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next time.